I want to go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and I want to read verse 14 through 21 of the New American Standard, okay? We'll put it up on the screen. If you have your Bible, I want you to get your pen out and uh, do some underlining. Take some notes. If you take notes, you'll learn more. And I've got a five-point message. I've got all kinds of stuff here. My notes are amazing. I just hope I can get them out to you. They're really good. I'm proud of them, you know. Not in the wrong sense, but I pray. We'll just see if how I do with it. You can grade me later. Um, but yeah, Father, I pray the word of the Lord comes forth the way you want it to be. In Jesus' name. For the love of Christ controls us. Verse 4, 14. For the love of Christ constrains or controls us. Having concluded this, that one died for all, therefore all died. See, when Adam sinned, death pervaded through the human race. Adam and Eve committed high treason and rebellion toward God. They had free will and they used it to yield to temptation. The devil came to tempt. In Genesis chapter 3, there's this, a story detailing and articulating the fall of man. Explains a lot of issues with the society and the world. But then it also talks about the contrast, and you should read Romans chapter 5 because it talks about what Adam did in the degradation that came from his disobedience. Jesus more than abundantly repaired uh, in his obedience. And the contrast between Adam and Jesus Christ is profound because we, we who are, live in this world as human beings have this Adam or Adamic nature and we're in flesh bodies with sensory uh, reinforcement and so forth, but also we're created in God's image, and he is a spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. So God's word is spirit and it's life, and the Holy Spirit will take from Jesus and reveal to us, oh, this is exciting. This is, I'm, my brain is a floodgate right now, and I just, it's like Niagara Falls through a keyhole, and I, I pray you have ears to hear because this is good what I'm saying. This is stuff that changed my young life. It revolutionized my Christian life when I was a young Christian susceptible to condemnation. And uh, he died for all so that they who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who died and rose again on their behalf. We're to live as though we're alive from the dead. I have a friend who overcame cancer, a medical doctor actually, and he told me, it changed his life for several years. And uh, I came back from the dead. I missed many bullets in my life, a phenomenal series of near-death situations. It's amazing. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I want to I learn from those things, how good God is. And how, but we're actually all to live as though we're alive from the dead. And therefore, from now on, we recognize no one according to the flesh, even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know him this way no longer. What does verse 16 mean? In our assessments of others, we need to see them for uh, people for whom Christ died. That girl is somebody's daughter. That man is somebody that Jesus died for. That enemy that has oppressed and, and hurt me, I'm required to bless those who curse me. Uh, the, 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 this will cure road rage. Instead of when you get cut off and they splash your coffee, they, they bump you and they're mad and they flip you off. Instead of getting all freaked out and going on a big, you know, crazy land, you start praying for them. God, in Jesus' name, I pray you fill that car with your Holy Spirit. And then, you, you know, you want to go, you want to go Old Testament, and I pray the fire comes down into the very... And then you got a guy, well, I'm in the New Testament now, so God, I pray you would love them and bless them. 
Before you know it, you're driving by and you're going, I love you, man. <laughs> Be not overcome by evil, the Bible says, but overcome evil with good. And I'm teaching on righteousness because I want you to understand the next few verses in this amazing litany of truth in the last part of 2 Corinthians 5. I pray you carve out time and park in this corner of your New Testament and, and, and live here and let this resonate in your thinking. What Paul layers here, line upon line, precept upon precept, is so good. And in fact, in, in whoever wrote Hebrews chapter 5 describes maturity uh, as uh, people who are accustomed to or familiar with the ABCs of man's righteousness. That none are righteous, no, not one. And I want to tell you, we cannot, there's, there's no room for self-righteousness. There's no room for holier than thou. In fact, in the Bible, he says, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you, there's no hope for you. But see, they had a self-righteousness uh, based on works. And what the Lord was saying was so big. He was saying, look, you, you, you can't earn it. You don't deserve it. But you definitely need to receive the free gift of eternal life. John 3.16 is quoted so often because it is the cornerstone of God's message of righteousness. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him will not perish but will have everlasting life. For God didn't send his son into the world to condemn the world. He sent him to save us, to forgive us, to heal us. There is therefore now, Romans 8.1, no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That's the caveat. When you're in Christ, you're a new creature. And when you're in Christ, you are, your citizenship is heaven. And when you're in Christ, your sins that were so downgrading and so oppressive and so dominant have been cleansed, covered, and washed by the blood of Jesus. And you look what it says here. Oh, hallelujah. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creature. Let me finish verse 16. We need to know people according to the Spirit find somebody that's a born-again believer, then you know them not after the flesh. You don't gradate what their value or worth is or whether you should be intimidated or intimidating to them. All that stuff is stupid. It's the spirit of the world. And we're not to compare ourselves among ourselves. We live in a whole, that's foreign to true Christianity. We're to walk in love. God wants us to understand he values and doesn't have a gradation system like the world does. He wants us to understand how valued all of humanity, all of the nations, every ethnicity, all of the age brackets, all around the world, God so loved everybody. I'm a big believer in whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I've seen people get saved by saying Jesus on their deathbed, and I had the assurance they did it in faith, called on him as Lord and Savior. And trusted him and just hours later passed. And in one case, minutes later passed. God is so faithful. Hallelujah. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ. Oh, you need to know yourself by the Spirit. You are born again of the incorruptible seed of the Word of God. We were once not a people. Now we're the people of God. This is the whole thing with the division of, of, of ethnicity and racism and socioeconomic and where the side of the tracks and all that stuff gets resolved by the power of the unifying nature of the blood of Jesus. Man, I'll tell you, somebody said to me, the most segregated hour of the week is 10 o'clock on Sunday morning. And I thought, what? And, I, and, and, they, and they got real angry. And I said, what are you talking about? I'll tell you a quick story. I was in a restaurant. And I saw three people go sit down at a booth, and the Holy Spirit said, go pay for their lunch. 
I thought, well, I don't want to come across weird, Lord. I had just gone to the ATM. What does the ATM spit out? 20s. And they all stick together, and they piggyback off each other. So, when you know, you got to make sure you separate them and then squeeze them and turn them all around, right? You know, you know the deal because they're printing up all kinds of new money, and you just got to make sure that they aren't piggybacking. So I, I figured it out. I, I looked. I mean, this is a little rude, but I looked to see what they ordered, and I thought, okay, this and the tip, and then extra in case they order dessert because I'm going to leave now. So I piled it all up. I walked over, and I folded it up and said, hey, guys, hey, I just wanted to buy you lunch today. And um, they looked up at me. And I said, uh, you know, I feel uncomfortable even telling you, but I feel led to tell you today for some reason. They said, who are you? I I said, my name's Jeff. What do you do? (laughs) I said, "Uh, well, I pastor a church. Where do you pastor? I said, Chesterfield Valley. Do you know the most segregated hour of the week is Sunday at 10 o'clock? I went, man, I was just looking at my pile of 20s, and I'm thinking, (laughs) should I take that back? And uh, she made a comment to me. She said, do you have any people of color or people, you know? And she said this to me, and I said, well, and, I, this, and I'm not kidding. I said, well, I just met a lady from China just, just last night. I mean, I didn't even know what to say to her. It was so, I, I don't even think that way. I, you know, I was raised in the Pacific Rim right by Mexico and San Diego, and it's like my dad never said a racist thing in his life, and it's like, what? So I, I was like, well, uh, and she just wouldn't let up, and I was like, I said, well, I didn't even know what to say to her. I was stunned. And I, and I said, but anyway, hey, God bless you guys. Enjoy your lunch. And they were like, so then uh, I went away and I got in the car and I was like, wow, okay. And so I, I prayed. And then a little while later, everybody say a little while later. We, had, we invited um, Sister Love, CC Love, better known as CC Winans, and her team from Nashville. And we had a lavish, beautiful concert of anointing and refreshing and just amazing. She's so, all the, I mean, I've met a few of the Winans family, and they're just a musical family. They love the Lord. Cece's just amazing, been friends to Chelsea, and, and uh, so they're just wonderful people. So they came to church, and uh, we are having a jam-packed meeting. It's before COVID, so everybody's jam-packed and no masks and all that stuff. And we were all out of chairs. Remember, we had to get as many chairs as we could in the building. And Pastor Virgil's running around and all the staff. And we're trying to get chairs. My brother gave up his seats right up here. So I said, get some people to fill these seats. And it was all jam-packed. So I walked some people in, sat them up there right where my brother sits on the front row here. So I'm up here. And I'm up here with CC, And she's real loving. And, you know, I'm one of her favorites, I think. And so then anyway... <laughs> It was just so alive and so anointed and, you know, men, women, kids, black, white, everything, you know. But it was just church. It's just church. And, uh, and I looked over, and it was the people I gave the lunch to. And I, I looked over at her, and she looked at me. And I looked at her. I went, hey, good to see you. The Lord is our vindicator. The Lord wanted to make sure maybe she could get that out of her spirit. Because, man, this isn't about that. It's about Jesus coming to redeem us from every nation, every tribe, every tongue, every dialect, all. He said young people, handmaidens, bondservants. There's neither male nor female. You're all one in Christ. I'm telling you, the great unifier has come. 
And he came to bring redemption. And he came to impart righteousness. And he came to seek and save that which is lost. And our message is a message of unity. Our message is so vital. It's so profound that we must understand this on the levels of the scriptures for today so that we can offset the evil encroachments of the devil who doesn't come up with anything original. He cycles up this kind of garbage societally and cycles every 20 or 30 years, tries to stir up a bunch of hate. But Jesus, listen, he came to bring redemption. And look what it says here. It says, if anyone, verse 17, is in Christ, underline anyone, he or she is a new creation. The old things passed away. Behold, new things have come. You can't have rosy thoughts about the future if you live in the blues of the past. You can't be a futurist with a prophetic message if you're chronically preoccupied with the hurts of the past. And I'm going to tell you even more than that. It says if anyone is in Christ, he or she is a brand new creation. One translation says a new species of being that never before existed. When I got saved in the Jesus movement, one of the things I enjoyed was the diversity when I got immer- uh, in, immersed into church, in church and I saw elders and I saw young people, I saw kids, I saw young parents, I saw single people from all walks of life. I remember a hippie guy that got arrested at Mexico and got his hair shaved off and got thrown in a Tijuana prison. And then I also saw a guy that was an Eagle Boy Scout that had straight A's, that loved his mom and dad and was not counterculture. And he sat right next to the hippie who sat right next to the elderly lady with a silver hair in the bun and African-Americans and Mexicans. I got saved with a guy that was from Mexico. The night I got saved, I said, I'll never forget you. A Mexican man about 20 years older than me and me. And I remembered the context in which I got saved. And I remember that that's the thing Jesus is wanting to do. He's wanting to gather people from all walks of life, every ethnicity, all socioeconomics, whatever the age brackets, whatever the experience of life. There's nothing like the church of Jesus Christ. There's nothing like the head of the church. There's nothing like what he has demonstrated in his death, his burial, and his resurrection. It's so profound. He came to seek and save that which is lost. And it says here in these upcoming verses, namely, God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against us. And he's committed to us the word of reconciliation. My belief about God is he knows everything. And yet he's decided to have, be selective in his memory. He said he would throw our sin as far as the east is from the west into a place called the sea of forgetfulness. I, even I, am the one who blots out your transgressions for my own sake, and I will remember your sins no more. Argue your case. Plead together with me. Argue your case so that you may be proved right. See, righteousness means being made right with God, and it can't come through our own works It doesn't come from our religious litany of of experience. It can't come from what anybody passes to us on a human level. It can't come from self-improvement. We can't make it better. That's all self-righteous. None are righteous. No, not one. And yet Jesus, who was pure and perfect, came not to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. He came not to condemn, but to seek and save that which is lost. Therefore... It says he's committed to us the word of reconciliation. I guess the reason I'm preaching this on Sundays 
as we're emerging and filling back up and coming into this level is because God has put each and every one of us on a holy assignment. We all have a ministry, and it's called the Ministry of Reconciliation. We all have a message, and it's called our testimony. And I remember when the hippie that got his hair cut off and got in trouble for the drug possession and the Eagle Boy Scout, they got up and they shared a testimony because that was what was current at the time in the early 70s. A lot of testimonies, amazing music. In 1975, good teaching started to come. We got involved with a word movement that brought so much download into us. And I remember the power and the value of the testimonies. The hippie and the failure and the stupidity and yet the mercy of God coming in his life. Man, that was great. Hallelujah. And then the Eagle Boy Scout, he said, I, I may even have a better testimony than him. And we laughed. And he said, seriously, I, he, I got saved out of being a good person. I got saved out of not having any crisis. I was friends with my mom and dad. We got along. I got straight A's. I was an Eagle Boy Scout. And I, was, I went to church. He said, but yet I was lost. And all of it was incomplete until I surrendered my life to Jesus Christ. Man, we were like, so God can change a drug possession guy or a, a righteous Eagle Boy Scout guy because none are righteous. And then the level playing field. And he can have Cece standing next to her favorite Pastor Jeff in an atmosphere that's just multi-wonderful, hallelujah. I'm all about multi multiplication, the manifold multi-grace of God. I'm all about the Lord's eyes running to and fro throughout the earth, looking for a man, woman, or child whose heart is yielded and complete to him that he may strongly support. You have a destiny. And I'm telling you, what Adam messed up and Eve messed up, and then the degradation that came into the human race, it's formidable. The fall of man is still at work. The creation is groaning, it says in Romans chapter 8. Groaning. Ah, and you know what they're waiting for? The manifestation of the sons of God. The world needs to see a breed of people that have become new creations, whose citizenship is heaven, whose, whose father is God, whose Lord is Jesus Christ, whose empowerment is the Holy Spirit whose foundation is the word of God, whose mission is to go out and be a reconciler, to go out and pray big prayers, dream big dreams with expectation to see the purposes of God come to pass in their generation. I'm the product of individual wide awake believers sharing Jesus with me in a whisper. One in a Vietnam veteran uh, suit in a 1962 uh, Impala on a one o'clock in the morning hitchhiking for my restaurant job telling me about Jesus on his way home, changing his life. The other was Jill Cosby inviting me to church and taking me to an outpost from Melody Land where, where uh, Ralph Wilkerson started something marvelous in the 70s out there in Southern California. And I had an outreach and had a wonderful thinking pastor that cared so much about souls and loved the Bible so much that he preached it in earnest and was willing to share the gospel and not hold back and, and gave me an opportunity to repent. There's somebody here, if they don't get saved, they're going to go to hell. I knew that. The Holy Spirit was dealing with me. He wasn't beating me over the head. He said, but if you call on the name of the Lord, you'll be saved. I raised my hand, so did the Mexican guy. We went in the back room. We prayed. I looked over at him. I said, I'll never forget you, and I haven't forgotten him. I'll never forget that those two wide-awake believers in the subtlety of simple faith, not a Billy Graham crusade as much as I love that, 
Not Reinhard Bonnke with a million people in Lagos, Nigeria. I love that. I've been there. I was with them. I stood by them. I gave to them. I prayed for them. I believe in that. But more importantly, I'm the product of a praying grandma. I'm the product of obedient Christians. And I'm the product of day in, day out, weekly attendance in church. Of of reading my Bible for all it's worth and sticking with it and trusting God, the force and the effect of righteousness that comes by a gift, not earned or deserved, will get us out of condemnation, will get our minds renewed, will get us on the sunny side of things, will will negate the lies of the accuser of the brethren. The only way to offset the lies of the devil is to get filled with the truth. And the truth of the matter is this. God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them. He has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Therefore, everybody say therefore. Here, this gets personal. We are ambassadors for Christ. What's an ambassador? Remember when Ben Franklin was sent by the colonies to France? He was, he was the ambassador of the colonies to France. Do you know when he went there with his you know, um, skullet and, uh, you know, and his tights and all the stuff that he wore. Remember, he had the original skullet. And uh, he's the guy with the kite and the key and all that stuff. He was a very creative guy. But when he went there, he represented the 13 colonies to France. He was a representative. Let me tell you, you represent, represent the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. You're a member of the body, he being the head. That's why when the lady said that, all this stuff, I thought, well, I don't even think that way. I don't even think that way. Are you kidding me? It's the church, man, from every nation, tribe, tongue, and dialect. I don't even think that way. I think in terms of this new creation, power that can come on anybody that will be, reach out and receive. Jesus is offering it. We just go... We give our, he, he's given his thunderous invitation. We give our little pipsqueak response, help, and we become brand new creation. Therefore, we're ambassadors for Christ as though God were making an appeal through us. Listen, appeal is the root word for appealing. And I felt something appealing on the Vietnam veteran, as I also did on Jill and the people at the church group. I felt an appeal. It was appealing. There was sort of a friendship. There was sort of a, 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 they meant it when they sang the worship songs. It wasn't just like singing out of a hymnal, you know. It was like they meant it. And when the preacher preached, I heard some of those stories when we visited churches, but not like this. He spoke with authority. He spoke like he meant it. It, it, it had application. It, was, it had bearing. It was like, I was fascinated by it. It was appealing, and it made me want it. It made me hunger for it. And it made me desired. I went back for four weeks straight, every week. There was something of the value of the consistency of it. In fact, I've been coming back ever since. I slipped for a couple of years when we moved from California to here and I didn't go to church. And man, that was the worst time of my life. Because I had been eating uh, uh, Purina dog chow and then I got T-bone steak served me at the, when I received Jesus. And then I went to back to the dog food. So I'm back there crunching on the kibble of the world. And it's like, this is not, because I saw the contrast. Before it was just like, man, can I have some Alpo, please? And can we follow it up with some, uh, you know, some some more of that, that, you know, uh, whatever the stuff's called. And it's like, kibble, yeah, let's have some kibble. 
And I had T-bone steak. So then I was like, I was ruined. I had to get back. I got so miserable. I made so many bad choices in that backslidden period. And God, yet in his mercy, got a hold of me. And he prompted me. And man, Mike Maglieri was studying for law. He became a lawyer. He said, hey, I, I want to invite you to church. And I'm at college. We were college friends. And he was a, a committed Christian. And I knew I needed to... They, I knew that that was what I needed, and I got back to church. When I, got, I stepped in church, I, I got back in there, and, 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 and God just brought restoration to me. I, I, met, I met and fell in love with my sweetheart. I found my wife there. I found destiny there. I had already found salvation and the infilling of the Holy Spirit, the importance of the scriptures. I found the value of, of inclusion and belonging. I found that, no, it doesn't have to be the most segregated hour in the world. In fact, it's supposed to be the most integrated hour of the week and that the glory of God wants to manifest on all people at all times in such significant ways. Can I hear an amen? amen. And so I beg you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. Appeal. You guys lead an appealing life. I watch you come out of the cars and come to church. I watch you stand around on the, on the, on the patio. I watch you interact with each other. I walk around. I just get so into it. I just see the joy of the Lord on your lives. I see you coming through adversity. I know people in here have just lost a loved one that they're so, and you're wiping away tears, but you're on the front row. I've, I've seen that bounce of back ability that comes back in people because he's the resurrection and the life. And I know, and I've seen in the scriptures, that the harvest is plenteous, but the laborers are few. And we need to pray. The Lord of the harvest will send forth laborers that are appealing, not, not repellent. I've had experiences where I've seen people just act like they're the most spiritual people around. They, they use prayer and other things to show how spiritual they are. And it's like, no, that, that's, that's not appealing. It's just this simple faith. It's simple cooperation with the Holy Spirit. The grandmother that prayed us out of darkness, a humble lady. The grandmother that prayed for Patsy on her lap, a humble lady. The meek shall inherit the earth. Some of the great preachers I brought in here that have had illustrious careers and have impacted millions of people behind the scenes have childlike faith and have a sweet spirit. And, and I, 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 I sat in a room when Billy Graham came. I, I sat in this room with just a handful of pastors in 99 when Billy Graham came to St. Louis. And I was sitting there and an old, old man came in and sat down by the wall and sat in a chair crumpled over. I sat there and I looked over at him and I thought, oh yeah, you know, there's some guy that's sitting back there on the platform. And then they introduced Billy Graham and that old guy that was all crumpled stood up, got up to the pulpit and morphed into Billy Graham. And I realized it wasn't might or power, it was the Holy Spirit. Reinhard Bonnke, one of the most significant voices in evangelism in the last 2,000 years, no question about it. Behind the scenes, had childlike faith, laughed a lot had a BMW motorcycle and a leather outfit, and he, he used it to push. He said, this is my reset button that I push, you know, and he would ride around on his BMW. He's German, so that's why he didn't ride a Harley, I guess. Behind the scenes, he was as legit and as sweet and as appealing and as buoyant as you would hope for them to be. I've had, I've, we've enjoyed amazing fellowship with beautiful people that are so humble, and um, we're to make an appeal we're to make, God is trying to make an appeal through us. And what you have is that you're carrying something that's more precious than gold, 
more important than the most important technological or medical advancement or breakthrough that's ever even happened, as important as those things are, more important than our daily food, more important than the air we breathe, is a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. I didn't know this. When I went to church, I thought, this is boring. It's for religious people. I dismiss it until I ran into wide awake believers who were new creation that had the force of righteousness in their life. I can see I'm running out of time, so I want to remind you of two key verses. One, Isaiah 54, 14, if you write this down, in righteousness you will be established. This is why I'm preaching on the subject of righteousness. I'm talking about the fall of man, and I'm talking about the restoration through Jesus Christ. Adam blew it, Jesus restored it. You will be far from oppression, and you will not fear, and from terror, for it will not come near you. Remember, righteousness is that condition of being made right with God. In Christ, as believers, we have become the righteousness of God in Christ. Look what it says here in verse 21. He made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf. Why? So that we might become the righteousness of God in him. This is going to cause us to get free from oppression and fear. This is going to cause us to become free from inadequacy because he makes us able and adequate. This will produce great freedom and boldness to enter into his presence in praise and worship and prayer. We don't cower at his feet. We stand and draw near with confidence to the throne of grace and we obtain mercy and we find grace to help in the time of need. Listen, if you've never received Jesus, today's the day of salvation. If you were like me where you did and you backslid and you need to come back, make a comeback today. And if you're a believer and you've been through the turbulence of the last few years and you're just watching things, the divisiveness and the culture, uh, the hostilities, the, the atmosphere that's so charged with toxicity, I want to remind you, this is the cure for the fall of man. Five points, like I told you. Number one, God is good. Say it. God is good. And what he initiated was beautiful. Read the first two chapters of Genesis. It was good, 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 very good. Then number two, though, because man was not a robot, he gave us free will. He put a tree there and said, don't eat this fruit. The man was free with his free will, totally blew it in the garden. Totally, this is a theological term for it. Adam totally blew it in the garden. He committed high treason. He and Eve blew it, forfeited the prize. The devil usurped authority. We don't have time to go in this today, but 2 Corinthians 4.4, 4, the devil is called the God of this world. So when this church flooded, God didn't, so I heard a preacher say that God flooded the bi-state area and the, and the, because of certain sins. And it's like, well, then God missed because there were farmers that loved the Lord. Their farms flooded with food. They were feeding us in the breadbasket of America. He missed, you know. And in fact, the gambling boats actually floated up and just more, and, and got more business than ever. So it's like you, you, you missed, you know. And then our church flooded. God doesn't flood churches. He floods them with the Holy Spirit and living water. He doesn't come. He builds the church. We had a cottonwood get hit by, three cottonwoods get hit by lightning. And I knew it wasn't God. I knew that the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And it's because it's a fallen world. And when I told my son Taylor, man, this thing has a gigantic gash in it. He said, boy, that's, that thing has cred now. That thing's legit. So I'm just watching that thing's going to heal over and go, check that out that I've overcome. 
When I went to the Sequoias years ago up in the Sierras, I saw trees that had been hit by lightning. They had gone through multiple forest fires. Some of them were 2,500 years old. And they're basically going, deal with it. Life is not, uh, not what you hope it'll be. But listen, man, I, I'm an overcomer. And you are oaks of righteousness. And, you know, I read about this. What, the number one tree that gets hit by lightning are oaks. And then, but then the top ten, they're cottonwoods because they're so full of water. So as Christians, we're full of living water, so we occasionally have to deal with some garbage. <laughs> the thief does come to steal, kill, and destroy. And there's no idealism in here. It is what it is. It's a fallen world. Say it. It's a fallen world. That explains a lot of stuff. And I'm on my third or fourth time reading the book of Job this year. I've been reading Job carefully over and over and over again. And when he, the devil said, when the sons of God went up to God and said, hey, man, what about your servant Job? I'm going to go put a whooping on him. See, the devil already had authority because he usurped it. So he's just putting a whooping on Job. And Job loved God so much he attributed everything to God. But actually, the devil was lying and the Satan was stealing. And if you read about it, he, through faith and patience, overcame. And God restored his fortunes twofold. And God brought great vital restoration. What the enemy means for harm. God turns around for good. The effect of righteousness will be peace, Isaiah 6, 32, 18, and confidence forever. A peace that passes understanding. A boldness that gets on the inside. Courage that gets on the inside of you. I can stand before God with, with, uh, on the basis of his mercy, not on the basis of deeds I've done, without the sense of guilt, unworthiness, condemnation, or shame. Romans 8, 1, there is therefore now no condemnation. What, the caveat is for those who are in Christ Jesus. So the key is calling on the name of the Lord. Number three, the consequences of the fall are all man's fault. God didn't put a bunch of, uh, I'm going to, you know, he, he, it's like if you disobey me, you're going to die. The laws were in motion. Humanity deserves the failing. And yet, however, the law and the prophets prepare us for a savior. The Bible says it's a tutor that shows us our utter need for a savior. And then five, through repentance and belief in him, right standing is restored. Righteousness, peace, and joy. That's the kingdom of God. Righteousness, peace, and joy. He brought forth his people with joy. Such a strong, bold italics on this right now from the Holy Spirit. Let's close our eyes together. Just put your hand on your rib cage. Let's forget what lies behind. Forget the past. You've apologized for it. You've repented of it. If you're, if you're in the sin pattern right now, you need to repent. It, it doesn't cost. It'll, it, it pays to obey God. Don't continue in sin that grace might increase. We need to walk in righteousness and true holiness with the Lord. And I pray the cleansing, healing power of God gets down in your belly. The fire of God would consume you. The joy of the Lord will restore in you. I pray sin patterns would be broken because awake unto righteousness and sin not. It seems that the effect of righteousness will actually help us get free from sin consciousness and the propensity toward repeating it. I pray that he that's begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ.
And lastly, if you're here today and you need Jesus, reach out and receive. Reach out and receive him. Ask Jesus to come into your heart. Ask Jesus to fill you with hope. Ask Jesus to forgive you. He'll accept you. He'll forgive you. He'll wash you. He'll write your name in heaven. He'll pronounce righteousness over you. I pray the victory, supernatural blessing on everybody's prayers. I pray prayers get answered. I pray bodies would be healed. I pray mindsets would be calibrated on the word. And I pray, God, for St. Louis Family Church, we hit our mark in these upcoming days. In Jesus' name, all God's people said.